Hello and welcome to UX Research Geeks. I'm your host, Tina Lichkova, a researcher and a strategist, and this podcast is brought to you by UX Tweak, an all-in-one UX research tool. Welcome to the second part of the two-part series about UX research in Africa. In the first part, we spoke to Camille, the founder of UX Design, and she will be today joined by Elizabeth, a researcher from this agency. Elizabeth has worked on many research projects across the African continent in various sectors, open knowledge, fintech, and agritech. So tune in to learn more about their work and the big state of user research in Africa study that Elizabeth conducted. And maybe what I would do now, I would call Ellie into, and then we can switch also to uh, the state of UX uh, research in Africa, but uh, maybe the story of how you met you guys. Great, great. Yeah, Ellie is a typical example. We hired her, like we, we took her as an intern, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how, how did you know that Ellie is a person? If, if you if you want to tell the secret? Uh, that's a good question. I think we didn't necessarily know. I think at the time, Ellie, we hired you and someone else. But what we liked in the interview, you know, was uh, the personality, uh, the humbleness, the desire to learn, as I mentioned, um, and uh, the structure, I think. But then what happened was that she confirmed that, you know, during during her internship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ellie, and what is your story? How, why did you even apply and why, why did you step in such a business, this research? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I guess maybe I'll start answering first for, um, from how I got into UX research before I also talk mm-hmm. about how I got into UX. Right. So I studied computer science um, at the African Leadership University. And in my third year, I took a course on human-computer interaction. And I, prior to that, I had been writing, most of my courses were programming heavy, so I had been coding. But then I saw this course about products and design. I was like, okay, I think this is interesting. I'd like to do this. And after that year, I took an internship um, as a product management um, intern in a startup here in Nigeria. So mm-hmm. um, I went back. I finished and I was very sure that I wanted to do something in UX design and research, particularly research, because I felt like it was very important to understand the users you're building for. And I graduated in 2020, yes, and I was job searching. Uh, (laughs) Some of the places I had applied to stop the application then because of the pandemic and it was just a rough Mm. day. So, (laughs) So I was kind of freelancing, right, um, as a social media manager, sort of. And in 2021, um, someone from my school's um, career development team reached out about an opening at Hughes, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll, I'll give you a shot. And that was how I applied to Hughes. And yeah, I had the interview. I met everyone. Everyone was friendly <laughs> on the calls <laughs> and also... I actually had an assignment. Um, yeah, I had an assignment, but it was related because the role I started in was kind of like a UX analytics internship role. So it was related to that. 
um, and I had to present the assignment and then I got in and yeah, it's been on from then. Mm -hmm. And this is also yeah. interesting to ask you both because uh, this is important when it comes to the business, Camille, uh, that you are based in Senegal, Ellie Elizabeth is in Nigeria. In, what are the countries you operate in? Just to understand also that context. Uh, that's a good question. I don't think there's a definitive list. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, no, no, we, so we have colleagues in, I think I cashed like seven countries. Mm -hmm. So Senegal, Kibar, Benin, Togo, Nigeria, Rwanda. Um, I think I'm forgetting one, but people are spread out. We do projects in all of the, like all of West Africa. Okay, that we, uh, yeah. The, a lot mm -hmm. of, yeah, so we, we, we go, um, and that's also why our colleagues are spread out is because we do want people who have an understanding of at least their area. Mm -hmm. We will resort to hiring, you know, local contractors in some cases, of course, if we need to have someone who speaks the local language. Mostly English and French covers a lot of the situations, but not all. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're, we're a bit everywhere. And Nigeria, as you probably know, you know, is a huge yeah, country yeah. In, in West Africa and pulls a lot of the economy. So it's, it's absolutely essential that we have team members there. We have a lot of projects over there. Um, and even if the projects are not in Nigeria, we can send the Nigerian team, you know, to a neighboring neighboring country. Uh, and it, it's, I think it's really also a good example that Ellie wasn't hired <laughs> to do UX research because that's something quite common for us because people don't know a lot of our jobs. Um, we'll hire someone with a general idea of what we want them to do, but then we figure out with them what they actually want to do and what mm -hmm. they're actually good at. And so there's a, there's quite a bunch of people, you know, who are working at use who are not hired for what they're doing now. Uh, and that comes, you know, with uh, hiring people who are beginners in your sector and don't really know. And I want to say it's even larger than that, even though this doesn't maybe concern Ellie's case, but a lot of people in Africa study what their parents tell them to study or whatever sector they were forced into because of some weird school calculation system. Like this is very common that people don't study what they're passionate about. And so we give them the space to explore mm -hmm. and, you know, realize what they, what they want to do or not. And with Elliot turned out, like even if what she was hired for didn't really work out. Um, she had this great, you know, uh, capacity of structuring and managing a project and was really interested in UX research. And so she wound up doing that and we're very, very happy about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how did it uh, come to a decision late? Let's make the steady state of user research in Africa. I'll let uh, Ellie answer that. Mm -hmm. one. <laughs> um, I think how we came to that is we've noticed that um um, UX research is growing on the African continent, like um, Camille mentioned. Um, with UX, UX now when when they started out, for instance, there were not a lot of like UX research work, UX design and research work being done in Senegal. But for most of the continent, it's still very nascent as well. So we decided to try to document like 
what's like what what's going on in the continent, particularly research as well, because as Camille also mentioned, we have a lot of people who are talking about UX design, UI design, but not so so much about research, right? And so we decided to say, okay, let's talk mm-hmm. about let's understand what's going on um across the continent. Um as well as let's um let's also see from our point of view, you know. I was still I was still like six months into UX then. Um, but like also see from our point of view from and the experience of other researchers at UX, see if um the problems um they've experienced as well and see if there are any common threats. And yeah, also try to like make sure there's documentation about research and speaking to other people from the continent as well. So that was the main drive for for the research. Um and that that was why we decided to start um the research. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I am. A, I, we talked about it earlier, but uh, maybe the listeners will also be asking this question because when I would be doing a state of user research in Europe, uh, it will be super different mm-hmm. from country to country. Uh, if I look at state of uh, user research in Africa, it's also a continent, very different. Uh, there are different cultures. So, how did you approach this? Okay, um, so the approach from last year was an approach where where I and I say we learned a lot from. So the f- first thing we we had mm-hmm. a survey where we sent it out to like different people who were doing research on the continent, not just research, um, not just UX researchers, but like product managers, UX designers who have insights into how research is done in the organizations or where they work mm-hmm. and. That was the first approach. So we got responses from about 18 countries, 18 African countries. Um, and we also um, spoke to, we had one-on-one interviews trying to understand in depth, you know, how do people in different African countries conduct research and um, what tools do they use and what are the challenges they face? Like having like a one-hour conversation with um, different people, um, designers or researchers across the continent and in that we also spoke to people from about i'll say eight countries or eight to nine countries within within we couldn't get the reach of everyone um across the across the continent but we got um into as many countries as, mm-hmm. as we could get answers from so and something we learned from that was that you know towards the end of the research like you know um trying to um, promote the study and sharing it with the public, we decided to partner with communities and we saw the pool that brought. So something we could have done, you know, better or earlier was, uh, since I was leading that project, something I could have done better was, you know, partnering with communities and seeing how that can, how that can bring more people, um, bring more um, responses or reach more people on the continent. And this year, for this year, we've tried to map out like the different design communities across um, different regions of the continent, so we can reach out to them and try to partner with them, and you know, get more responses, get more people interested in like speaking about their experiences, so that our research can be um, <laughs> can be can reach more countries and we can speak to people from more countries about the state of UX research. And yeah, that's that's one we are looking at it. 
And what what communities are we talking about? And if I understood right, you are planning a new study uh, to uh, go a little bit to see also the progress in different countries. But what communities do you want to approach? Maybe there will be also some listeners from Africa and can uh, okay. yeah, reach out to you later on. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the communities that we, some of the communities, for example, we spoke to last year was Friends of Figma Communities. So... Um, we partner with the one in Lagos, but this mm-hmm. year we, we know they have different chapters in other countries, so it's nice to speak to other friends of Figma communities. We also partner with UX Kitchen Nairobi, but basically design communities, communities where they talk about design, um, organized design events, um, yeah, any of such mm-hmm. communities across the continent. Those are the kind of communities we are looking out for. Mm-hmm. And now to the, to the content of the study, what are the biggest or the highlights that you learned in the study in the previous one? Mm-hmm. Um, so something, some of the highlights for me that we, that we learned in the study are basically, for me, for me personally, was basically some of the challenges that researchers face. So as I mentioned then, um, I wasn't really deep into research at the time. So I was still, I was still, I just mm-hmm. completed my internship and this was um, another project I was getting onto. So yeah, it's one of the challenges is like participant recruitment, trying to recruit participants was the big challenge for like UX researchers. And as I've gone on to like work on other projects myself, I've seen that, oh, this is, I've seen how challenging recruiting the right profile for research could be um, across across the continent, especially if you are conducting research. And something else that also came up that I think that it, so people we talked to um, spoke about was wanting to get resources on, 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 on what was happening in different African countries, like uh, in regards to research. So for instance, um, whether you spoke to some, someone in, um, let's say, someone in Uganda, yeah, at the time mentioned that it, since he was leading a team that, you know, they have, it's an African, it's a, it's a team that's based out of Uganda, but now they have different um, teams in different countries. They'd like to be able to see, resources, mm-hmm. since you'll be leading research that would affect these different countries, see resources on like, you know, um, how research is, how, re, how uh, people's, the nuances of people in different, um, you know, um, African countries, how research is done there, to speak to people and get insights from them. So because interviewing people from, let's say, Nigeria might be a little different than interviewing people from, let's say, Uganda or Rwanda. Of course, it's the same continent, but that, um, let's say, sociocultural differences occur there. So they would, um, they would, the, 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 the person had mentioned that they like to see other researchers across the continent document their research, more, share what they are struggling with, and basically just... Um, build a body of knowledge, right, they can refer to. Um, because they mentioned they, they find some resources and a lot of resources they find are also fitting, like, especially from the Western context, and which they are good, but they might not necessarily be, you know, what's, like, grounded in, like, um, the context, the African con- in, the, in the African context. So, yeah, I guess that's one thing... In this study, we encourage more people to do like write about their research, their challenges, um, getting re- getting um, mm-hmm. 
write about research and also their challenges as researchers or, or their learnings as well, not just their challenges, because I'm sure people are learning things as well. Yeah. So that was one thing we learned. Um, something else they mentioned about tools, like um, there are some tools online there that, you know, you can recruit users for, um, mm-hmm. but may not necessarily work for the African context or like tools that um, transcribe audio or trans- transcription tools that may not necessarily transcribe the um, African, the different accents we have in the African countries, in African countries, even if they are speaking English. So that was another thing people um, mentioned, which was very interesting for me. And also, yeah, something else that could happen, like internet connectivity. Um, Yeah, internet Mm -hmm. connectivity, especially if you're conducting remote research. Um, Yeah, so, and of course, getting executive buy-in, getting stakeholder buy-in, that was something that's a challenge. Um, convincing people about the value of research. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it was really, really interesting for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the executive buying, that's that's something that I think it's on every continent all around the world, uh, something that we will always a little bit struggle with and uh, that every researcher at least once in a lifetime encounters, I think, <laughs> uh, from what I hear also in uh, communities. But you were telling me that there are uh, some di- problems with the recruiting. Can you maybe explain there where is the problem with recruiting people? Because, I mean, it's a problem in Europe sometimes when you are recruiting specific target groups. But where is the problem exactly when it comes to the 17 or 18 countries that you were um or researching in okay um so some people had mentioned um when they recruited people yes some people may not show up um they'll they'll agree to the interview and not show up and sometimes even when they show up like like i mentioned that's where also internet connectivity comes in right for instance mm-hmm. if it's like a remote research and their internet might be dropping off um going off and on that's like um and they can't really fully participate and you have to like you know maybe interview another person or or replace them with another person so i think yeah someone we spoke to last there i mean last year who is a ux designer in uh fintech in nigeria but then a ux designer in his role also does ux research had mentioned that they something they did was like have backups um for each research just for each interview just to make sure that they are catering to everyone or, or they, they cover the number of profile they recruit so the thing is like um getting people to um show up that's one thing and um, that, that come up and also being especially if it's um the research is remote um factoring internet connectivity and making sure that was um that um that's catered for. Um, and also there's something else they had mentioned was, so they had mentioned the thing about incentive and just making sure that the person like um, is really, it's not just showing, he had mentioned, the person also mentioned something about the, the, the person showing up for interview, not just showing up because of the incentive, mm-hmm. but showing up and being willing to, willing to speak. And even yeah, at UX, for instance, something that we do is try to onboard um, our 
our interview is like whoever we are interviewing or whoever we've recruited right before the interview we try to like onboard them first just to make sure like they are clear and you know they they try to understand the expectations or the what 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 the research would be like or maybe they have a good internet connection they understand how to use like maybe google meets for instance and they are not struggling to figure it out on the day of the research that's what mm-hmm. ah okay okay and it's interesting because when we were speaking uh, before, you told me, and, and, and now you mentioned it again, that you were like after, exactly after your internship, and this was one of your first studies, and then you learned in the reality about the problems that you were researching on, and then it, that came out. So what were your personal biggest learning that you have then explored in real life? Mm-hmm. Um I'll say one of my biggest lessons um, that I've explored in real life um, is also recruiting participants, recruiting the, the best profile. You know, sometimes participants don't show up. Like um, during some of the last studies we conducted, sometimes I'll have to like um, 30 minutes before the research, try to text them on WhatsApp just to remind them. Because I've also noticed that some people, it's not like they don't want to show up, but like they probably forgot or something just to check in with them and say, hey, you signed up for research at this time and, you know, um, starting at this time. And they'll be like, oh, I forgot. Maybe some of them say, oh, I'll show up. Or some of them say, I forgot. Um, and mm-hmm. and that's one, one lesson I've learned, like um, trying mm-hmm. to follow up with participants to make sure they show up. I, I think that's one thing that's been showing up here. Um, and also... Another thing that has been showing up in my experience is also how, how sometimes that how sometimes if you're trying to like um, conduct research or if I'm confused about something we are supposed to if I if I'm not exactly clear I mean about something we are supposed to research on um, of course I read um, online but like sometimes the advice is not grounded so I reach out to like Camille or Jan on the team and to ask questions. Um, so yeah, and something else I'm learning is also, I should make time to write more about my experience as well, um, which I, I postponed, but I think it will be also be helpful to people since I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Um, I should make time to write out more and contribute. So yeah, that's mostly it for me. Um, with, um, with getting executive buying or getting stakeholder buying, I guess it's mostly because we are already a design and research agency. Um, that's kind of like the focus of what we do. So I, I wouldn't say I am trying to convince like Camille, I'm trying to convince someone on the team on the importance of research. But I also think that maybe some way that we do that is like trying to, you know, explain to maybe clients why we chose the research method that we chose or how we are mm-hmm. going about it but since most of our clients are aware of what we do to an extent um i wouldn't say it's particularly convincing in the sense of like oh this person doesn't entirely on doesn't know anything about research maybe they do have some knowledge but they need to like get better understanding of what we are trying to do that that's that's mm-hmm. um what i'd say i try to do like trying to make sure that, you know, what we are doing as researchers for our clients is something they understand or they are clear on why we are doing what we are doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
Although I said, okay, the buy-in, the ex executive buy-in is uh, uh, all around the world, maybe the, the problematic, but uh, both of you, like, what would you say th does the uh, buy-in vary from country to country or from what kind of companies do you get the buy-in better? Maybe, Camille, you can compare it with your previous experiences. Um, no, that's a good question. Um... There's definitely clients who are using the method for the first time and clients mm -hmm. who have experienced uh, design thinking processes before. I wouldn't say it's a difference in, you know, where they're coming from, but really the past experiences that they've had. And if there is, um, uh, you know, a design ally <laughs> at the company, okay. uh, which I think is probably pretty common, you know, everywhere. I, I do want to say there is one thing, though, between um, uh, we, we do seem to have um, it, maybe more of a Francophone, Anglophone uh, cultural aspect where it's not the same. Ah, okay. Yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe that would be a, an interesting difference, you know, where, um, uh, and I don't want to go into stereotypes, but the Francophone countries tend to be a little bit more processized and hierarchical, and so you need to go through the right steps and the right hoops, whereas uh, often the English-spoken uh, clients would be a little bit more, um, you know, just like, let's go get it, let's go do it, uh, I want results, and, you know. So that that would be an interesting difference, and um, uh, as a manager of UX, we and we have we have francophone teams and anglophone teams at the agency, right? To be able to cover all the geographies, and uh, so we know that depending on our teams and who their clients are, they might have different challenges. We need to prepare them for that. Mm hmm. Ellie, when it comes to the cultural differences, you were mentioning something what popped out in the uh, study as well, right? I am well, I'm, I'm not sure if it was between clients, but I think it was more. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was more on like you know how people. I think how people um, respond when they are being interviewed, like um, the difference. I think that was more on it, like. I think something, I think when I first joined you, Camilla told me that Nigerians are very expressive and they like sharing what they've learned. And I've also noticed that from research, right? Um, from interviewing people, like Nigerians are willing to open up <laughs> and they'll answer your questions fully. Um, as opposed to on a project when I went to Rwanda, um, Yes, people did open up, but something I noticed was I also had um, another local researcher with me who was based in Rwanda as well. Um, so, but I noticed that people were very measured in the way they speak, which isn't a bad thing, but like um, it's not necessarily what I'm used to. Um, but and I saw that she was able to quiz better and or push further or ask further questions um, as opposed to let's say for instance, maybe if I was asking Nigerian one question, they'll just say everything and preempt what I'm supposed to say and just keep going on and on. But then with the, with the uh, random, um, I noticed um, the person I was also researching with had to ask like further questions and yeah, it was a good experience. But I, I think that that cultural difference might 
happen in like different Africa, different African countries as well. Um, mm-hmm. Since I've not sat on a lot of interviews, I think I've interviewed Rwandans, Nigerians, maybe, yeah, maybe South Africans. South Africans are also very expressive as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. but there might be that cultural difference across, um, you know, different African countries now they respond to interviews and how they answer questions. But yeah, it's also very interesting for me as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And both of you ladies, I know we didn't have this very much in the plan, but I'm super interested and you have to kind of allow, allow it. Uh, what kind of projects are you working now? We were speaking, we, you have projects in every of those seven uh, countries. So what kind of projects are you working now on? And if you could maybe tell us little bit more about it um so on on the projects i've worked with i work with google we, we worked with google um wow okay another project i've worked on recently was with stitch which is like a south african startup that's expanding to nigeria um also trying to understand um how the markets how to how to how they were trying to understand how they can make better markets to the nigerian um, audience and you know what are the existing challenges how they can better position themselves essentially to nigerians um and also we worked on i worked on a project with um agromall which is what that project was a partnership with like um was um partnership with gsma um and one of the um people that one of the companies in that big partnership um, we had with GSMA was Agromall, which is an agri-tech company. So that was a really interesting experience for me because we had to interview farmers, we had to travel to where the farmers were, um, and I had to interview in Yoruba, which is like a local the language in Nigeria, and it was my first time interviewing in that language, which was mm-hmm. very interesting. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it went well. Um, yeah, so and it was a good experience. So... Yeah, so for me, it's mostly um, projects in the fintech space and the agri-tech space um, so far um, Mm -hmm. this year. And and this is interesting because agri-tech is something that I don't have a clue about. So maybe you guys can teach me something about that one. What did you learn there? Yeah. For for agri-tech projects um, or the, well, I say the community, for instance, we went to um, the people that are um, that the, the the solutions are designed for are not necessarily tech savvy. They don't use smartphones. Maybe they have a smartphones, but don't, they don't use it actively. And mm-hmm. the companies sort of have like a a network of agents that try to reach these farmers, try to give them advice on like planting crops, trying to give them like input loans, that sort of thing. Um, sell their harvest to the um, sell their harvest to the company and technology in that context is used for documenting these different processes and also mm-hmm. you know um, working with these agents and mapping out the land size of the farmers working with these agents who have these like phones um, kind of or device that's kind of like a phone that they mm-hmm. use in, like mapping the land in like documenting their visits to the farmers so yeah that's that's what happens in that context so there's really um the farmers themselves um use like um um maybe feature phones um and they receive sms's the yeah but they are not really 
really, um, let's say, using smartphones and always on the internet per se. So that's the kind of people, um, a lot of companies who are designing solutions for, in the agri-tech space, design solutions for people who can use what is a USSD code. Um, mm-hmm. So like these are short codes you can dial on your phone and it brings, um, it bring, on any phone basically, and it brings up a menu with options you can type and, you know, respond as well. Um, so that's also on the internet, but like um, it's not um, um, it, it's not an interface per se that's um, colorful. It's, it's 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 kind of basic, but it also helps people in those communities as well. Yeah, in general, the agritech spaces. How can you? What about the agricultural process? You know, from the entrance to um, export potentially uh, mm-hmm. can be digitized to help the value chain be more efficient. And so parts of the digitization can be for farmers, uh, you know, for them being paid or uh, collecting or anything like that, pest control, information, weather. But there, there's also all the logistics of farming. And um, there's lots of different points during the farming process that potentially, you know, digi- digital solutions can, can help it's very much dependent on the type of crop and different and the context. So a lot of research is, mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. necessary. Yeah, sure. Maybe I can just add, you know, to because agritech and fintech are two very strong ones. We also do mm-hmm. a lot of education and health projects. Um, and maybe examples we've worked for on health. We've worked for. We're currently worked working for Doctors Without Borders. We worked with the IRC, the International Refugee Committee. Um, we worked with different NGOs in the health sector, and in the education sector, it would often be uh, maybe linked, yeah, to, to health or other NGOs. So I would tend to be working on a lot of those uh, <laughs> projects. We've been working for the Wikimedia Foundation on uh, building communities and that has been super interesting too because we get to uh, dive into the the African volunteer space Um, and what's also really exciting about projects such as that one is that these companies are ready to look at Africa to inspire global products and that's very exciting for us because any you know any changes that we would implement in any of the Wikimedia platforms, those are going to be changes that will be affected, you know, globally. So it's very exciting to be able to be part of that um, of that process. Mm-hmm. Ladies, to close up, maybe it doesn't have to be from this year, but do you have any kind of project that you would like to work on? Like, what is the dream project? Maybe Ellie, till Camilla's thinking. Oh, okay, first um, we'll be <laughs> we are <laughs> going to be working on state of UX research for this year. And that's exciting. But something else I think I'd like to work on um, would also be research in like you know the cryptocurrency space um, or design in that space, um, conducting UX design or research in that space because um, it's a space that's full of a lot of jargons and. Um, I wouldn't exactly say it's um, like user-friendly per se, even some of the apps I've tried downloading. So yeah, that's something I would um, like to see conduct research um, 
probably understand the space, see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Great. Camille, for you? I mean, it's, uh, it's we, we, we've already been so lucky to work with a lot of the companies that we're working with that are household names, but I think I would love to work on um, an African mm-hmm. Navy museum. That would be Circle for me. Just wanted to say it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, and there's, uh, I mean, it would be so beautiful. There's so many amazing things you can do in the museum space today um, that could use digital. So that that would be, I think, if we could have, have that opportunity, mm-hmm. it would be amazing mm-hmm. to work on that. Okay. Is there anything that you are like, oh, wow, Tina, why didn't you ask us this? What would it be? What should I ask you? What would you like to answer? I mean, I think you you're an amazing interviewer, <laughs> and you've asked a, a lot of a lot of the great questions already. Um, so I, I don't see anything per se. I think we've covered a lot. Um, I, I think to me, it's more of an open question, like what what's the future of design, you know, um, on the continent? Because there needs to be one. There's so many products mm-hmm. to build. So stories to be inspired from, you know, and to share globally. So I don't have the answer, you know, but I know that we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be a part of it. Ellie, is anything from your side what, what you would like to conclude? Yeah, um, I guess something I'd like to conclude on is, um, I don't have any questions too. I feel like you covered um, <laughs> um, everything. Um, and yeah, I think something I'd like to conclude on is, um probably encourage more people and myself as well uh, to on the continent especially um to write about you know their experience especially researchers i feel like a lot of ux designers ui mm-hmm. designers document but like um yeah write more about their research experience so we are sharing their knowledge and it's not just sitting in silos um yeah and it's also a conclusion for myself too <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> advice to yourself that's nice that's what i'm giving myself a lot but it doesn't doesn't seem to work <laughs> great ladies uh last but not least or le- yeah last uh where should we where can we follow you or the listeners where can they check you out so we have our website uh, of course and maybe it's Uh, also easier to get in touch with us on LinkedIn. There's a, uh, a UX LinkedIn. There's a UX Academy LinkedIn. Um, those would be the best, I think, uh, places. Great. And anything you want to share more, even your Instagram account, we are <laughs> open for it. <laughs> yes, there is a UX Instagram yeah. account yeah, to, uh, yeah. to follow us. <laughs> Goody. Thank you very much. It was amazing. Um, I really had fun learning about Uke's design. Thank you so much, Tina. Mm-hmm. Wait, maybe one last thing. There's the the new state of UX research will be coming out in True. a few, you know, weeks or months. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> That's important. There, we are looking really looking forward to it. Thank, Thank you, lady. You. Thank you, Thank Tina. You. Thank you very much for listening to this two-part series about UX research in Africa. If you liked the series, please don't hesitate to share your feedback. And if there is a topic you would like to see featured on the show, reach out to geekspodcast at uxtweek.com. 
We would love to hear your thoughts and this way you can influence the future of this podcast. Thank you for listening to UX Research Geeks. If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to stay updated when a new episode comes out. This podcast was brought to you by UX Tweak, an all-in-one UX research tool. Thank you.